All right, everyone. Welcome in to episode five of the Buttered Popcorn Podcast. As with me, as always, in a new venue, our beautiful co-host, Elliot. How you doing, Connor? Oh, pretty good, man. Uh, you know, I just got free tickets to Lewis Capaldi tonight, so got home from that. I saw that. Yeah, I just started a new job bartending at the Country Club, and him and his entire crew came into golf yesterday and stuck around for drinks, and they asked us if we wanted to join the show. That's incredible. Yeah, it was a fantastic experience. My wife kept talking about how she felt bad because she stayed up late on a school night. <laughs> Hasn't been in school in three years, but yeah, no, I'm 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 at work. We're we're here late, so I'm I'm up. I'm ready to roll, baby. Yeah. All right. Well, this week, you know, we figured we'd give some people the time to see it, but we are talking all four John Wick movies. Godspeed to us. Yeah, dude, honestly, this might be a hot take, but I think it's probably the best action franchise of all time. Yeah, I think there's I think that's I think that's a good argument now. I don't I don't think I mean, I, I'm trying to think Deadpool. And other than that, it's really okay. just John Wick. Yeah, right? I mean, Jason Bourne, Mission Impossible. Uh, Yeah, those are good. Uh, Terminator. Rambo. But yeah. You got me, but I I don't think with with those those aren't all rated R though, right? Not all of them, but I think most. I think where John Wick sticks out though is they made four consistently fantastic movies, where like everything past Terminator Two sucks. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the Mission Impossible, so I won't speak on that. I've uh, seen I've seen like the last two Mission Impossibles, but I haven't seen the early ones. Okay. And then for me, like Matt Damon's one of my favorite actors of all time, but I have so much trouble seeing him as an action actor. Yeah. I mean, like he plays it well in Jason Bourne, but for me, it's just always been a struggle. That's one I haven't even seen. So yeah, they just put him on Netflix streaming recommendation. There we uh, go. <laughs> no. So John Wick one, two, which is funny because it came out in 2014. And I remember my brother seeing it in theaters and he like had a poster hung up in his room, which he never put anything outside of a music poster in his room. And it took me probably till 2017 to actually watch it for the first time. I think that was mine. I I, I think my buddy Ryan, he got me and my other buddy, Zach, he got us in his basement and we watched the first John Wick. I want to say it was probably freshman year of college was the first time I was exposed to it. And I loved it. I loved the yeah, very it, first one. It was my first year in the Marine Corps when I saw it. Yeah, was that uh Mr. Zach Freeze that was co or uh co guest on here? Yeah, that, that was Zach. So that's one of the movies he's seen. <laughs> one of the few, yeah. one of the very few movies that Zach has seen. Yeah, dude. Um, no, but this movie like set it up so flawlessly in the beginning for the first one, just with them. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say that because a dog dies, and that's sad as fuck. That is sad. But, However, I mean, I feel like people can get behind going on a vengeance run after killing a dog versus killing a human. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, I, I, I think. And again, it, it starts off sad. His wife dies. Um, yeah. did, how did she die? Did she have cancer? I think it was cancer. I don't know if it was ever specifically said, that but never, she was in the yeah, hospital okay. and something. And then she and then she gives him the dog. She gives him the puppy. And basically it's, you know, it's he's going to take over the puppy in, in, in place of her, basically. He's going to love the puppy. 
uh, like he would love her. And then obviously the guy from Game of Thrones killed the dog. Um, oh, what's his name from Game of Thrones? You never saw Game of Thrones, did you, Connor? No, I never gave into the peer pressure. Uh, that you should. Game of Thrones is very good. I'm trying to think. God, I can't think of his name. Oh, that's gonna kill me. I think his name's Alfie. The actor's name is Alfie. But um, but the guy from Game of Thrones killed Are you the dog. Alfie Allen. Yeah. Now you're gonna make me look it up. Hold on. Go well, ahead. No, Keep- I'm on Letterbox right now. Alfie Allen. <laughs> yes. Yes. So that's him. He Theon Greyjoy. God, I I would have I would have been pissed at myself if I hadn't figured that out. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so it starts. It starts everything out. You get introduced to the Continental. It's the uh, the League of Assassins, basically, for the non DC universe. Just a whole world filled with secret assassins. Uh, and and the whole story of John Wick is him taking revenge on people who killed his dog. It's why it's why the first one was so good, and obviously it ends with him getting another dog. Well, yeah, but, and honestly, one of the most impactful scenes that just shows you what John Wick's character is is right after. The guy and his like friends kill the dog, steal his car. Um, he finds out that the mechanic punched his son in the face and he calls me. He's like, Why the fuck did you punch my kid in the face? And he's like, He killed John Wick's dog. And all he says is, Oh. <laughs> and he just yeah, it was good. It was it, it's one of my it's one of my favorite action movies ever. Yeah, and like Keanu's in his 40s when he started filming these, which is just crazy because he does. I think it, I saw like 85% of his own stunts. Yeah. I and and like the legend of Keanu Reeves, like I I don't think he's a great actor. I don't think like when you think of great actors, you don't think of Keanu Reeves, but like there's a presence about like there wasn't ever a character more perfectly cast for him. Just few words, but his presence is felt. He's a badass. He's one of the nicest people in Hollywood, probably, honestly, probably the best person in Hollywood. Um, And the whole performance he gives is amazing, but it was just a perfect casting. Well, yeah. And like, I mean, I'm on the same page as you as I don't think he's a phenomenal actor outside of like the Matrix and Constantine. But this is kind of proof that you can be born to play a role. And he found it. Yeah, no. And and like and we'll get to John Wick four as we continue up the John Wicks here. But he, I want to say he spoke like 10 lines in John Wick 4. I mean, he didn't speak in it. Yeah, I think the total was 382 words or something. Which is cr- crazy. Just yeah, crazy. criminally low, but it worked. What was, what was your score for John Wick 1? John Wick 1, I have it a 9.1 out of 10. That's pretty good. I think I give it like a, I think I give it like an 8.8. Yeah, so we're, it's we're the highest of the four. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it's okay. a phenomenal origin story that isn't even really an origin story. Yeah. You know? Because it starts off after he's retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, is it this one or the sec- second where his house gets blown up? I think it's the second. That's the second one. The second one, and I guess we can kind of transition to that one now. I, that one's definitely my least favorite of the bunch. Yeah. Uh, because that one kind of like, it was like a setup movie for the three and four, the third and fourth movies. Yeah. Almost. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess the best thing it did, because I don't think it was the first one, but it introduced Lawrence Fishburne's character. Yeah. And like kind of shows like that the faction is bigger than just the Continental and the high table that you don't meet until three. Mm-hmm. So for that, uh, that's a good aspect of it. I mean, I still have it as an 8.4 out of 10. Which I, I think I, I think I gave that one a lot lower. I think I gave that one like a 7.5. Really? But it was, but it was still, it was still good. But I like it. It didn't have the emotional impact that the other one, or that the first one, did for me. 
yeah i get that um yeah dude honestly i thought they were gonna show us another dog scene death though yeah the end of one he takes home what i think is a pit bull Mm -hmm. his house gets blown Mm -hmm. up at the beginning of number two and i really thought the dog wasn't gonna make it and i was hoping that wasn't gonna become the trope oh yeah They, they 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 couldn't get away with that twice yeah that would be absolutely ridiculous but then, uh, John, so do you have anything else on John Wick 2 here? Oh, uh, maybe. I don't know. What's your thoughts on the scene where he's like walking by the train when he's fighting Common's character? Right. Uh, and they're just like shooting at each other through the crowd with silencers on. Yeah, no, that's that's phenomenal. It's 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 what makes this kind of and I guess they kind of introduced like the um what, what what's it called the the bulletproof jackets like when you when he starts when you start oh, Kevlar. when you introduce that stuff too but it, it's a classic john wick action scene is when is just it's just yeah. like i love hey, how like out of reality this movie is but also yeah. like it's still kind of you know there which is one of the things that i love so much about this action franchise uh is that you know in every gunfight scene he has mm-hmm. to reload every couple minutes, which is yeah. no other movie does. Every yeah. other movie, there's an unlimited round or unlimited clip. Was it was it this movie or John Wick three? And I'm trying to I'm trying to think off the cuff here. When they're in the mall, or I, we're, I think they're in the mall, and basically they're like the guns like on his like stomach. They're in the one guy's up top, he's down low. Oh, that's what I was just talking about in the trip. They're walking in a subway right. station. Was that the that was that the subway? Yeah, oh, the mall. Oh, that yeah, that, that then that's phenomenal. No. Is that the- movie yeah that's the second movie because oh. it happens right after they leave them all and go to the subway station okay because in the mall they throw reference to john wick one where they talk about how he killed three guys with one pencil and he does it yeah. again in this movie okay now I'm caught. such a phenomenal callback and it's so like minor just because in the middle of an action sequence but it's great no yeah yeah, yeah. That, that that action that action scene's awesome and they, and they continue doing that like throughout I don't. I don't know if you've seen Daredevil on Netflix. I imagine you have not. I actually haven't, and I need to watch well, it. Which is fun because so, I three D printed three Daredevil masks now. Well, that's that. Well, that's that's strange. But yeah, yeah, I love it. I three. Why did you mean three? Well, I printed one, gave it to my little sister because it didn't fit my head. Okay. Uh, I printed another, also didn't fit my head, so I sold that one, and then now I have a third one that I need to put together that I think is going to be. Right size. When do I get my green arrow mask? We've gone to like six. We've gone to like six movies now, and you've yet to bring it. Speaking of which, oh, let's just rub some salt in that wound. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for a green arrow mask for a year and a half. I think two years. Have we had two years yet? No, I haven't had my three D printer that long. Well, I would love to. Ha- I would love to have it. So thank you for showing that. They feel nice. Um. But the second one basically ends, and it's why the third one I think is definitely my favorite movie. the The second one ends basically where the world is now exposed to John Wick. The bounty's placed on his head, and he's on the run for his life, which is a phenomenal way to set up the next two movies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean you're completely right. Second one, I probably rated it too high, but I just like the little callbacks they did, the small little scenes. Also, though, I'm going to ruin part of this movie. The scene we've talked about now three times where they're just like shooting each other with the silencers. Yeah. 
everyone in the crowd would notice. Silencers do not silence guns like movies think they do. Mm-hmm. All a silencer does is it reduces the noise by a hair of a fraction. Yeah. And then just allows your allows you to be more accurate because it's a longer barrel. <laughs> yeah, well, either way, they do a good job with it. So I the yeah. second, I, I don't like the second one is definitely the is the most forgettable, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I just watched all of them within the last two weeks. Yeah. And I'm struggling to remember every bit of it. I mean, it introduces you more, I guess, to um the concierge who takes care of his dog all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get a little more on the manager of the Continental as well. And I I can't remember if it's in the first one or if they do it in the second, but that's where they actually first talk about the high table, I think. I think that's yeah. the first mention is number two, which, again, adds to the setup of the sequels. Correct. And and, and the third one, the third one is is absolutely phenomenal. It, it, it's it's like it, it's John Wick on the run for his life. So every scene is and it's back to the Daredevil point. I, I was going to get there eventually. The Daredevil action scenes, they're like 15 minute scenes. Like it's a nonstop fight scene continual. And it's how John Wick does it. And it's so good. I, it has to be the only. It has to be the only action franchise that does it that way, where it's just n- absolute nonstop action scenes for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes at a time. I'm trying to think, I mean, outside of like, you know, conclusions to movies like the third third act. I don't know if there's one that I can come up with right now that does it throughout the entire movie. No, yeah, I, there is none. It, 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 it's to my knowledge. The closest one is First Blood. It's in a league of its own. It's it's in an absolute league of its yeah, own. No, before. I'm 100% agreeing with that. And then I and then I I'm trying to remember the rest. Of, I know there's a pencil scene in John Wick three too, right? I think there's a John Wick scene in every one, but number one. I think number one is just the mention of it. He's, he mentions it, and then the and the rest of them come. Uh, and does he fight with who's the who's the leader of the um the uh, the hotel? Who's the leader of the continent? Like, the manager. Yeah, the manager. Like the actor's name, or what are you looking for here? The character, the char- Winston. Winston. Oh yeah. Uh, so John Wick is at war with him at this point, right? Because Winston has the. No, that, that's number three. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what we're on, right? Oh, you want to transition? I'm cool with that. You got to run real quick. Elliot has to leave us for a little bit yeah. for an errand. Yes, good point. So actually, though, while we're here, I do have a little intermission for us. So. If I can figure out where to share my screen. There it is. So I don't know if everyone has seen this. Oh, never mind. We're not going to get to it because Zoom doesn't want to like me right now. So I guess while we are here in movie news following this episode, we do. I know we mentioned it last week's episode. If you missed that, totally fine. However, we are getting a spinoff series about the manager of the Continental Coming this September, I believe it's going to be a six-episode, hour-long each uh, series. It's coming to Paramount Plus, and it's going to be based in the 1970s. So pretty much about the start of the manager. Uh, I forget, Ellie just said his name. <laughs> Winston. It's going to be follow Winston in the 1970s. I haven't heard anything about castings yet, uh, but that is something you can look forward to, as well as we just got our first pictures uh, teaser pictures, I should say, of Anna de Armas in Ballerina coming out next year sometime. She looks amazing. Anna de Armas is amazing. 
Yeah, she is. Yeah, Elliot, you missed it. My computer wasn't allowing me to screen share. It wanted me to open system settings. So I just started going on and telling viewers about uh, the John Wick spinoffs we're about to get. You're a goose. Now give me the plot for John Wick 3. John Wick 3. So end of John Wick 2. He uh, kills a member of, is it the member of the high table that yep. he kills? He kills a member of the high table. Yeah. And he's Which, on the run. He, well, so, and then uh, Winston has to decide what he's going to do with John Wick with another member of the high table in front of him. So he decides to kick John Wick off the, oh, no, that's end of three. I just spoiled that. No, he's on the run for killing a member of the high table. And Winston gives him one hour prep time. Yes. There we go. John Wick three. One of the things I love too is all of these movies, there's no time in between them. Like you pick up exactly where you left off. Yep. Yep. Only outlier is number four where he gets like a six month break, but he's still right into it. But number three, this one had to be the most action packed, I think. Because I mean, five minutes in, it shows how how big this League of Assassins is. Yep. And like everyone's getting the notification on their phone, 14 million on John Wick's head. And also one of the things I like to point out, I didn't see this movie till I just watched it for the first time like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But I was still in the Marine Corps at the time. My buddies went and saw it and they were telling me when I watch it, bring one of those like pitch counters and count how many times he kicks someone in the nuts. <laughs> and it's so true. He, it's like his main move in this movie. No, I, I yeah, I, I, and I think the speed of it, like you said, there's, there's basically a clock on it from the beginning the movie starts. So it takes place in such a short amount of time and it's just non-packed action. Well, yeah, and immediately it shows he's dealing with injuries that he handled from the second movie. And yeah. so immediately he runs to the doctor for the high table and is like, please fix me up. I have five minutes. Yes. It shows that he actually runs out and he has to stitch himself up, take his own medication from the doctor. And then he actually, the doctor tells him to shoot him. So it looks like, you know, he didn't help John Wick. Mm. And that just shows like the respect he has. And I think that's what a lot of this movie covers is the respect that people have for the history. Because at the end fight scene in the Continental, when that like glass floor and he's fighting two guys, every time he goes down, they give him a chance to get back up because they're like, we want to see what you really have. You know, we're like, we're not going to take the easy way. No, yeah, and and I forget like the 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 ending. We get to the ending, right? And I don't know. Does does John fall off the roof? Who falls off the roof? It's John because okay. the member of the high table comes and tells the manager of Continental he's going to lose his power and his hotel if he doesn't do something about John. And that's when he gets yeeted okay. off. Now I see. Now I see. Absolutely disrespectful. Disrespectful. But it was. No. I, I think. I think this movie, by the way, I think I gave this one a 9.3. I remember this one because I saw this one in theaters. Um, and it was one of my favorite movies I've ever had. It meant one of my favorite movie experiences I've ever had in, in a theater. Really? Okay, so you have this rated higher than I do. Yeah, I thought this movie was phenomenal. I, and just because, and, like, and, and again, I can't keep harping on it, but it's, it's, the, it's the, the high stakes. It's, you, you have a clock. You know everybody's hunting John Wick. And you know, there's like, there's not going to be any little tiny conversations. It's just nonstop, go, 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 right from the start. Well, yeah. And I honestly, I think my favorite fight scene in the movie uh, is takes place like 20 minutes in where he's in a knife shop trying to get weapons and like 15 guys run in. And it's just like throwing knife kill, John getting the shit beat out of him, throwing knife kill. <laughs> yep. And I, 
It's one of the best like close quarters combat scenes I've ever seen in a movie. One hundred percent. And there was the big guy. Who was the big guy? He fought a giant guy. I think was he a basketball player? I think he was. Remember the library scene? Uh, I think that was the pencil scene actually. Um, I, I'm gonna forget his name, but he fights his behemoth. And I guess like that's the theme. They'd always have like one behemoth in one of these movies too. Just one absolute giant. Yeah, you I, have to. I'm trying it, to. Rem- I'm trying to remember who it was, but I'm I'm never. I think find it's it. it. I think I got it. I think it's. Boban Marjonovic. Yes, yes, for the Mavericks. Yes, sorry, Boban. Yeah, now I get. I think he now just plays on the Siberian national team. There we go, Boban. I I, I should have known that, but yeah, that that was awesome. John Wick three definitely one of my favorite, and then it sets up the finale, which I don't think we anybody knew it was going to be the finale at that time. Well, no, because after John Wick three came out. Keanu Reeves did like an interview, and he said that he's willing to do as many John Wicks as the fans want. So in my eyes, I was like, fuck, this is going to turn into a Fast and Furious franchise. He's going to fight someone in space. Well, yeah, no. Fast and Furious stinks. Um, <laughs> There's a few good there. ones. I but... and, I, and I think that was what shocks, as we should say. What was your score, by the way, John Wick 3? John Wick 3, I have an 8.6. Okay, so as we transition to John Wick 4, it's why I kind of like, I'm surprised um at how it ended and i obviously will get there so it takes like it takes place right after takes yeah i mean we just get what a six month time frame for him to recover from falling off a 10-story building yep and then he's out in the desert fighting people again so yeah i mean it picks up immediately where he's just riding after three guys on horseback and like apparently i think i think it was shot in morocco if i'm remembering correctly and apparently they literally went there for two days (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if that was their time frame or if that's just how quickly they got the scene done yeah and then i and basically this movie is just john trying to be free of the continental he's trying to be free of the league yeah oh and then one thing we forgot to mention about number three and i don't know how we missed it so backing up just a little bit the whole like end of the second act where he goes out to the desert pretty much the same scene we see in the beginning of four Yes. Because he's finally found his way to the high table. And, you know, they're like, what's holding you back? And he's like, the thought of my wife. And they make him actually cut off his own finger. Yes. Was such an impactful scene. And then also what we didn't bring up was how good Halle Berry was. Very and, good. And one of the things I really liked about her character, too, is they weren't introducing her as a franchise character. Like, no, I know. One. <laughs> A lot of these characters, they've done that too. It's like they they give you, and I guess it's credit to the actors, it's credit to the writing, but a, a lot of these side characters they introduce in these movies, they feel like you've known them before. Like, and we'll and we'll get to it in John Wick Four, but like the 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 blind guy, I felt like I've known him, I've seen him before. I, we've never met him before. I got something on yeah. that, but we'll get to that in a bit. And how, but like you said, Halle Berry was phenomenal. It was like it's like a character that John, I can feel the chemistry between her and Keanu Reeves. Yeah, and then like her two dogs were a badass. And one of the best scenes was when her dog gets shot, but he's wearing Kevlar, so he's okay. And mm-hmm. she just like freaks out on a guy, like, you shot my dog. Yeah. And just brutally murders him. <laughs> but I mean, my favorite thing about it though was at the very end, you know, because she was there to help John Wick with a blood oath she swore years back. And then at the very end, you know, she like puts her thumbprint on and she's like, we're done now. Yeah. And she's never seen again, which is flawless. I was hoping I wasn't going to see her again in the fourth movie just because I liked how 
her character was there and done. Yes. Now, number four, like I said, I wanted to get back to what you just made a comment about the blind guy Mm. played by Donnie Yen. Maybe the best character in number four. However, why is Donnie Yen getting typecast as a blind man now? (laughs) What? Wait, what do you mean? This is his second role as a blind guy because he also played the blind guy in Rogue One. Oh my God. <laughs> so is he, that's just his role now? I guess if you know it, you know it. I'm not trying to discredit Donnie Yen, but I mean, all you got to do is walk around with a stick. <laughs> no, that's not true. The mannerisms oh. for being blind are crazy. I know, I know. But yeah, John Wick 4, I- basically John Wick trying to be free and he's trying to fight who the, the guy, the guy, um, I'm going to call him it. I'm going to call him Pennywise because that's the Asgard. Yeah. Um, is he the leader? Is he the leader of the high table? No, I think he's just a member of the high table. A member of the high table. Which is like, I mean, we saw the guy in the number three who was like, I think the leader of the high table who made John cut off his finger. Yeah. And then he gets, oh yeah, we didn't even mention that. That's who John Wick was after in the desert in the beginning, thinking if he killed the highest member of the high table, that he would be free of all this when his last words to him though, were, I will always have another. And then, you know, then Bill Skarsgård character comes in and I don't know if that's hinting that he was the leader or if he is just another member of the high table. And now the high table is after John. Yeah, I don't know. I, but I, but either way, uh, Skarsgård, I thought played a very, very good villain as he always does. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, dude, and, that whole family so talented. Yeah, they are. But John Wick 4, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a very good movie. I don't think it was as good as 3, and I don't think it was as good as 1. It was better than 2, I, but... See, I think it's better than 3. Really? Yeah, and one of my favorite... I loved the, like, camera shots they got of the mm-hmm. beginning of the third act fight scene where he's in the house, and he's, like, fighting all the people that Bill Skarsgård character sent after him. Yeah. Uh, and it's, like, panning over different rooms. And like showing just like him shooting through walls or people shooting the dragon breath rounds were beautifully shot. Yep. Uh, yep. And then uh, also another phenomenal side character was Mr. Nobody. Which one was that? He was the guy with the dog the whole time. Oh, okay. Yes. He, yes. Like, wanted to kill John Wick, but also wanted that high dollar. But then John chose to stop fighting him mid fight to save his dog's life. And then all of a sudden he was on John's side. Yeah, that, I did. So the bounty was still there for the fourth movie. And but what I really liked is how they communicate with these people. It's like through a radio station. And so for every for every like raise of the payment, they change the song. And I thought that was very well done, too. It was very it was very cool. Yeah. Oh, the music has always been so good in all four John Yeah. Yep. And, and like and like you said, the camera, the lighting, the way they do it. And at we, night is very I mean, cool. it's been the same director for every movie. Yeah. And so I like how he changed it up in this one, though. That's why I think this one gets a higher rating than three for me is some of the camera angle shots they get. And then uh, I think just some of the cinematography in itself, like when he's fighting in the circle in France, I forget like the famous name for it. But that, in front was, of awesome. Arch, that was awesome. Yeah. And yeah, that was beautiful. I'm tired of him wrecking these 1970s like vintage cars, though. <laughs> They're all so gorgeous, and it breaks my heart every time. And I'm not even a car guy. And and yeah, 100. percent But the the thing, and, and it's like this movie's 
this movie particularly had more like long drawn out action sequences than any of the other three. Like it was oh, in, absolutely. We said it earlier. He doesn't speak in this movie. It's it's just him trying to get freedom at 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 any cost. So he he is going to knock out as many people as he has to to get free of these of, of these assassins. Yeah, and, and I, one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie was that scene where they like sit down in the guy's nightclub, and it's yeah. Mister Nobody, John Wick, and Donnie Yen, and like they're all talking like, "All right, so we all want him dead. Who do you want dead?" And this goes back to. Keanu only having 300 some lines mm-hmm. all he says is you <laughs> and that That's, is that one of the best bad. fight scenes anytime they put in a casino scene for me I love it so yeah and I heard a story I think it was the director that said it or yeah it was the director he was uh talking about when he built the set for that exact fight scene apparently his dad was a plumber growing up and put in like waterfalls in their house and yeah. so he was in like wanted a nightclub to look like that. That's insane. So that's where the inspiration came. And that fight scene was gorgeous. One of my favorite things, though, is just how John Wick is always fighting through big crowds, literally murdering everyone in sight. But everyone else there who is just drugged out of their minds continues dancing and drinking. Yep. Yep. And even Don't like it's it was like the final boss of a video game where it's like he wouldn't die no matter what you did. He would he would just hit him and hit him and hit him and nothing would happen. And it took a, the guy was like 450 pounds and it took him like a a fall on steps, like head on steps and his 450 pound body weight crushed his neck. Yeah, dude. And one of the things I always think about when I watch John Wick too, and I'm not trying to like, you know, criticize it too much, but they have the Kevlar suits like we've talked about and they're Mm. always just holding them above their head. Yeah, these are the most highly trained assassins in the world. Why the fuck wouldn't you just shoot their hand? Correct. <laughs> Correct. I mean, I know exactly why they aren't shooting their hand, but it's. But yeah, I, I, <laughs> it, I, I think, and right after, I'm trying to remember. So right after that, right after he gets that guy, uh, that's when they go to the 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 stair scene. Right? Is that right? I believe so. And that was that was my favorite part of the movie. So basically, it was just a. A non-stop trying to get oh, up. Oh, no. I know what stair scene you're talking about now. Yeah. Up like 20 steps. He's. I, I think before that, there's a, there's a fight. That. Before that, there's a fight with Mr. Nobody and the dog, and John Wick saves the dog, which... Yeah, that's the one I was talking about, where they like pan over all the different rooms yeah. of the building. And then it gets to the to the staircase scene. It's trying to lead up to the final battle. Um, and, and John Wick... Uh, just keeps falling down the steps. They keep knocking them all the way down. Um, yeah, it was just, it was so funny. And, and again, watch Daredevil because it's the same type of premise. Um, well, but and it, I one of the scenes that hasn't been talked about enough too when I've heard people speak on this movie is the scene where he finally agrees to the duel with Bill Skarsgård's character. Yeah, and they like sit there. I don't know exactly what to call it, but like it's almost like a card game where they're mm-hmm. flipping over things to see who gets to decide what it is. Yep, that was very cool. Yeah, and then well, bitch move too by Bill Skarsgård's character. Uh, he was like, "We need partners." Yeah, <laughs> and so yep. he chooses Donnie Yen, but it just shows the respect that Donnie Yen had for John Wick and how they were good old friends. That he helped him fight his way to the final battle. Yep, and then in the final battle, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. It was the it was an old Western shootout, is what it was. They each got. Yep. 
there were 20 paces away and then there were 30 paces away or there were 50 paces away, then 40, then 30, whatever it was. Uh, yeah. they each one shot. Yeah. And I mean, I remember sitting in the theater. I saw it with one of my buddies and during when they were, I think the closest range they were and they finally fired. I was like, I don't, did John Wick shoot? No. Yeah. It's and, it and left us all in question. I thought he fired it at Skarsgård character, Skarsgård's character. Well, that's what I thought he was going to do because I think he was just accepting death at that point. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so I thought he was like, yeah, I'll just kill him and then I'll reap the consequences. Yeah. Which would have been good, but the final scene was done so well, so beautifully. Yep. Some kind of twist. Skarsgård yeah. got cocky, walked over to him. Tried to kill him. John Wick still had a bullet. <laughs> yep. And then the best part is the manager, like, you idiot. He didn't mm-hmm. shoot. And then also one of the things we need to mention, and we've said it before on this podcast, I think it was episode three, but rest in peace to Lance Reddick. But yep. I was not expecting his character to die in this. No, I thought that was I thought that was I that took off a point for me because that was kind of a lazy death, I thought. Yes and no, because I, I think I think what they were trying to do was sh- just show what Bill Skarsgård's character was, like who he was, how he was going to handle everything. Yeah, I I don't know. I I I thought that was kind of rushed. It was too lazy. Um, because after they knocked down that Continental, it was like, I get I get that he his his character didn't really have a purpose once the whole building was you know evaporated, but yeah. It, it just seems strange to me. It just seems I mean, strange. We could, uh, there could also be something in there that the directors and the writers knew something that, you know, the public didn't. Yeah. And maybe he was like, this has to be like my final shot, which is sad as fuck. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that was it. I don't think that I was it. I don't think it was either. I think they were setting up to like kind of cut off all ties. Yeah. So I think my first theory where like show, just trying to show how strong Bill Skarsgård's character is, is probably the more accurate one. Yeah. Um, and then it ends with John Wick dying. He he took the fatal wound. But the question yeah. is, Tom, do you believe he's dead? I think he is. I don't think he's dead. He's not dead. I think he's dead. And I, I'm happy he is. Because I think if they end the franchise here, it's perfect. I think it was a great run, phenomenal, you know, and now they get the spinoffs that they want for the money. Let's yep. be honest, that's exactly what they for, they're for. Yep. So I think he is dead. Um, and one thing I did miss, though, I didn't know there was an end credit scene, and I've heard mm-hmm. people speak on it. Do you know what it was? Yeah, uh, the there was, I think there was two of them. Um, but the second one was... Uh, blind. I forget the character's name. I don't know his name. What's his name? The blind guy. Oh, Donnie Yen. He was Kane in the movie. Okay, so Kane goes to eventually see his daughter. Um, but the the girl from the from the from the I think from the J- Japan continental. Yeah, she kills him. Oh, uh, she she kills Kane. You don't see it, but you see her walking up behind him with a knife. Oh shit! So and dude, that's one thing we didn't even mention about this movie was the whole Japan Continental. Yep, that was awesome. I, I think that was some of the best, most beautifully shot scenes in the movie with yep. the background and everything. Um, and just 
I I liked how he walked by all of his chefs. He's like, we have guests. Mm-hmm. Treat them kindly. I no, I love that part. I I love the whole. I love the whole. Uh, like, because once you expand to the whole continental, there's a continental in every country. There's a continental in city. Every city, it's like there's a continental everywhere. So it was cool yeah. to see that expanded. It was, and that was kind of probably, like you said, probably kind of a way to expand the universe before the prequels. Yeah. And I think they're going to be prequels. I don't know. But, um, and one of the things I liked too was, um, this is where we kind of saw the conflict in Mr. Nobody because yep. John Wick gets the, get someone gets the drop on him and he has his dog save John Wick's life. 100%. Yeah. So actually, and this is going to be contradictory to what I said about Halle Berry, but if we did get a spinoff, I would want it to be of Mr. Nobody. I I liked his character. I think that Shamir Anderson played him phenomenally. Mm-hmm. So I think that could be a good spinoff. Um, but I think Anna de Armas is going to crush it. I believe that's a prequel. Do you think yeah. he was going to have a cameo in it? Probably. And I, th- I don't think Wick, I don't think Wick's dead, by the way, too. So, yeah. I know that's a big debate. I think he is. And I, well, I also think it's me more hoping he is. But if he does have a spinoff in the ballerina I or a cameo in ballerina, I think that it'll maybe be like a 10 minute thing. Mm-hmm. Or it's either going to be a 10 minute thing where he helps with a fight and like, you know, they like show mutual respect. Or it's going to be similar to Halle Berry in John Wick 3 where she's there just for like a blood oath. Yeah. But that was it. I mean, I essentially it's one of the best, like you said, it's probably the best action action franchise of all time. Yeah. I mean, it's it's my highest right now. I'll get around to watching all the Mission Impossibles eventually. Um what was your score of the fourth one? Fourth one I have it an eight point seven. Yeah, I have an eight point five, so we're somewhere again. Yeah. I think the only difference in our list was you have three higher than I do. Now is three your highest rated? Uh it was an eighty nine. John Wick 4 is a 94. 94 is the highest. Oh, so John Wick 4 is your highest. No, no, no. You said, no, 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 no. I said uh, John Wick 4 is the highest rated Rotten Tomatoes wise. Is that what you meant? Oh, no, I'm talking about you personally. No, no, no. John Wick 3 was 93. John Wick 3, 93, uh, 85 for the fourth, 75 for the second, and uh, 88 for the first. Okay. Okay, yeah. I mean. I still like that list. I think the only wrong list would be if you had number two as your highest. Correct. Correct. But I would understand it in like the three spot. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that wraps our thoughts on John Wick. Now, are you going to be uh do you have Paramount Plus? Are you going to be joining in on watching the Continental spinoff? No, I will not. Nope. Is that is You're it? Is it? Yeah, it's a TV show. I think it's it's either six or eight episodes long, uh, hour each. So it's pretty much like another trilogy. I don't have Paramount Plus. I, uh, I I'd consider nope. watching it, but I I'd have to see it first, or I'd have to see like reviews on it first. I think my mom has Paramount Plus. Mom, if you're listening, send me the like login. Here we go. <laughs> She's checked out all her episodes, so I'm sure she'll hear this. There we go. Time to draft, baby. Time to draft. All right. So this week's draft, we have ourselves a decades draft where we will be taking a movie from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, 2020s. Any order it you can 
You can pick whatever decade you want first, but it is your first pick this week. Okay. Um, any decade first. I picked, I purposely went out of my way to pick five movies that I don't think you'll pick, and I love all four, all five of these movies. Okay. So I'll go in order, and I'll start with 1986, and we'll go Stand By Me. Okay. One of the best movies of all time, the best coming-of-age story movie of all time. Uh, a loaded cast, Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, Jerry O'Connell, Kiefer Sutherland. Um, the plot, they're basically trying to find what a dead guy. Is that right? That's a, yeah. So it's but but it's not really about that. It's about their friendship. It's about growing up. So Absolutely. I love that movie. I love that movie with all my heart. That's my number one. I'd probably agree with you. It's the best coming of age, which is one of the most underrated genres in movies. My favorite one, yeah. All right, cool. I'll stick with you then. I'll start with the 80s. I'm gonna take what is probably as the greatest plot twist in cinema history. Uh oh. Empire Strikes Back. Yep, that's fair. That's definitely I had to get a Star Wars on my board. I love it. I love it. Uh it's definitely it's definitely the best Star Wars movie, and I don't think it's really close either. Oh yeah, no. Uh also, did you know though that it is the most misquoted line of a movie ever? What uh it's Luke, what is it? Luke it, everyone says Luke, I am your father. That's not the line, it's just I am your father. Interesting. That's yeah. one of those things. Uh, I'm gonna forget what it's called when it's like the Bernstein Bears, Bernstein Bears type thing. There's a word for it. There's a theory of what it's called. I forget what it's called. But anyway, yeah. I. Oh, are you talking about the Mandela effect? That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fuck the Mandela effect. I hate it. Give me. All right. Go with your second pick while I run. While I run over there, real quick. Second pick. All right. Second pick. I don't even know what decade I want to go with, or if I want to go best movie. I'm going to go 2000s with a lot of people probably won't agree with this being a 2000s pick because there's so many good movies, but I'm going to go with Jim Carrey's best Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. The movie is done so well. And I mean, if you just notice the tiny details in it, they're phenomenal. Like there's a scene where he's talking to his girlfriend in the library. All the books, all the backing of the book is blank because he's forgetting his memory. Welcome back, Elliot. Thank uh, you. I took my 2000s draft pick, and I went with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Very good movie. It's Jim Carrey's best. The only other arguable one is Truman Show, but I think he's better in this. Very good. I, Jim Carrey, again, showing range in that one. Yeah, and dude, and one of the, like, that movie has so many small details that I love, one mm -hmm. of which, have you ever, like, seen the psychology behind different colors? No. Yeah, it's I don't know what it all means, but like yellow makes people like uncomfortable. Pink mean, means they're calm. Blue is something else. Blah, blah, blah. So one of the things they do in this movie is Kate Winslet has like three different hair colors. It's orange, blue, and I forget the other one. I think it's green. And so like each one, though, represents a different part of their relationship. So like blue is when it's at its best, you know, it's new, it's fun, it's new love, honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. Then like orange is like when it started to like go downhill and like start to turn towards the breakup and like green is like the end. Or no, green was the fresh start after they met each other after they both had their brain wiped. Interesting about that. Yeah. So you're in your second pick. 
Uh, that was your 2000s, so I'll, I'll stick with you, and I'll do Little Miss Sunshine. That movie's so fucked up. Little Miss Sunshine, one of the best. Another stacked cast. Paul Dano, Tony Collette, Greg Kinnear, Steve Carell. Dysfunctional family. Basically, they're all going to see this little girl participate in a beauty contest, which she probably will never win. Um, yeah. And it's a great character. Great char- it's, a, it's just a good character movie. It oh, the movie, the movie is fantastic. It just shows how fucked up, like, kid beauty pageants are. Yep. And it's yep. awful. But that's probably Steve Carell's best. And then... Paul Dano has like such a sneaky, like really good resume. Mm-hmm. Paul Dano is phenomenal. And it's not the, and I guess I'll segue to my next one because my, I'll, I'll go with my 2010s here. I know what you're getting. 2013 prisoners. Yep. That was on my draft board. So prisoners, Hall, Hugh Jackman, Paul Dano basically plays the, uh, the psycho who you think kidnaps their kidnaps Hugh Jackman's daughter uh you find out he's just crazy and that he's not kidnapping the daughter um yeah but it's one of, it's one of the best one of the best thrillers if not the best thriller that's ever been made I don't know if it's the best but it's absolutely one of my favorite movies Jake Gyllenhaal is my favorite actor I've said it on damn near every episode yeah but he's amazing in this he's he is the actor currently working that deserves an Oscar more than anyone else, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Who hasn't won an Oscar? I should also throw that in. But he should have got one for Nightcrawler, Prisoners, Nocturnal Animals. I'd say for now, that's probably about it. He maybe could have got a nomination for Jarhead. Yeah. But outside of that, you know, who knows? Maybe him working with Guy Ritchie in this new movie upcoming, The Covenant, will get him that oscar there we go all right so i've taken 80s and 2000s all right i only have two movies of the 2020s rated a five star on letterbox i'm gonna have to take mine right off the rip give me everything everywhere all at once good pick i haven't seen it yet but it's a good pick it's so great michelle yo is phenomenal on that and jamie lee curtis did not deserve the oscar for best supporting actress oh she did not, you said? No. Dude, she was the she was the fifth worst in that category. Interesting. Like, I think it should I, I can't say anything on it just because I've never seen it, but I, I think I, it could have gone to Stephanie Sue, who was in everything ever all at once. She was the antagonist in it, but also the daughter. You'll understand once you watch the movie, but she deserved it over Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis was the bottom of that barrel. Was she even a main, like, was she even close to a main character in that movie? She's a pretty prominent side character. Okay. I, again, I, I've never seen it, so I can't speak on it, but I, it's, it's, everybody's loved it so far. So, yeah. My, I'll take my 2020s, Connor. Okay. And I have to go with Free Guy. I haven't seen that yet. It's one of the more original creative ideas that is, come since 2020 it's ryan reynolds it's peak ryan reynolds and it's basically a a video game world where ryan reynolds is the main character he plays an npc it's a non-playable character in a video game i want to check it out i think they just put it on hulu yeah it's on all the streaming services i have so it's i'm gonna be watching it very soon 
and, and the movie's awesome. It takes place in two different worlds, right? It takes place in the real world, our world, with two game developers basically fighting for the rights of the game. Somebody's stolen the rights. Somebody's stolen the idea of the game. And the other part of it is in the video game world where Ryan Reynolds is this NPC that comes alive. He's He becomes artificial intelligence. So That's it's right. a mix between yeah. both worlds. It's It's phenomenal. I got to check that one out. I thought, uh, I thought for a half second there you were going to take air. No, no air. That's too recent. Re- Connor and I just saw that last night. It was a very good movie, but not a was- movie. And it's impressive how good it is because the majority of that movie is in like office rooms. Correct. Correct. Um, it seems like Viola Davis and Matt Damon were just hanging out. Like it's why it's why writing is so important. It's why it's why scripts are so important in real movies. Not it's like when you go see a Marvel movie, you're not seeing a script. It's just something that like an adaptation. Yeah, it's it's just not good. Um, and my last pick, Connor, I'll, I'll I'm gonna because I want to. 1992. I know you've never seen it. Scent of a Woman. Who's in that? Al Pacino. So Al Pacino plays this army. Arm, he plays this army veteran. He's blind, and he gets paired up with this kid. This kid becomes his assistant. He goes to like a prep school. Um, the kid later gets kicked out of or gets threatened to get kicked out of prep school. And and the ending scene is one of my favorite scenes of any movie ever. It's a courtroom scene. Um, and Al Pacino basically fights for the, this kid's right to be in this prep school. And it's it's an incredible movie. One of my favorite movies. Great soundtrack. I think I saw that a long time ago and I need to rewatch it because I was d- debating with someone about if Al Pacino was a better actor than so and so. And I brought that up, but I need to rewatch it because I don't remember a whole lot about it. You're four and five. All right. So I have 2010s and 90s left. Okay. 2010s. There's so many good movies here. I'm looking at my list and I got everything available. I'm going to take Gone Girl. I've never seen it. Very good. You need to dive into a little more David Fincher. I think you would genuinely like him. David Fincher is social network, right? Yes. And then I should. Exactly. Because, I mean, he has two movies in my top 10 movies of all time. My personal favorite, not what I think is best, but Gone Girl and Seven. Mm-hmm. But Gone Girl is Ben Affleck at his best. I I genuinely have never seen Ben Affleck act like he did in this one. And it showed that he actually can't does have some skill. Yeah. Because, frankly, recently he's been a better director than actor. But Gone Girl was phenomenal. And I'd actually never seen this as many movies as I have seen. So about a year into dating my wife, she showed me this and she was like, this movie makes me so uncomfortable. And I got to watch like a happy movie afterward to like (laughs) off my mind. I was like, then why are you showing me? (laughs) (laughs) Your logic is lacking. So, and then also it's so rare. You see a female antagonist. Mm -hmm. That's my pick. And then for my nineties pick, it is my absolute favorite movie of all time. Goodwill hunting. There's not a better movie that you could have ended this draft with. Not a better movie. Yeah, absolute. It's, I mean, I rarely cry in movies. I think the first time I watched this, I teared up during the it's not your fault scene. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, good. yep, there's not, I, I, I'm trying to think of it like, I mean, that movie encapsulates everything that a movie should be about. It's perfect well, writing. It's perfect acting. It's got the, the two essential characters. It's Robin Williams and Matt Damon. And their bond, um, and obviously one of my favorite, one of the best scenes ever is uh, I have to see about a girl. 
at the very end when he when he says Robin's quote back to him, he leaves it on the note when Robin comes to see him. Well, yeah. Um, speaking of that, did you know that um for that like scene, Robin Williams improvised the line "Son of a bitch stole my line." Yep, I didn't know that. That was not in it. That's phenomenal. That did yeah. that did that movie win an Oscar? It might have. I'll have to check. Yeah, let me look it up real quick. But did you know that Ben Affleck and Will, or not Will, Jesus, that's his name in the movie, Matt Damon wrote the movie? I didn't, uh, yes. Him and Affleck both co-wrote it, I think, pretty sure. So kind of cool tie into that is um, the screenplay, like the writing for the new movie Air that just came out that he directed Mm -hmm. uh, was written by this like no-name guy. And like he just kind of posted on the internet, like kind of hoping maybe it would get picked up. And Ben Affleck like had a meeting with him and he was like, and the guy was like, I want you to like take credit, you know, uh, you know, just and Ben Affleck gave him a cut of all the profits and credited him for writing and then is starting this new program where he's going to like pull in people who are like no names because he's like, without that, Matt Damon and I wouldn't have our careers because Robin Williams is kind of the reason that movie got greenlit. Yeah. All right. Goodwill hunting. Uh, yeah, it won Academy Award for writing. Uh, Academy Award for Best Actor in a Supporting Role to Robin Williams. Golden Globe Award for Best Screenplay. Screen Actors Guild Award for Outstanding Performance to Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Critics' Choice Award for Best Breakthrough Performance for Matt Damon. That's right. ridiculous. Rightfully so. Yeah, and I still to this day, I think that's Matt Damon's best role. Mm-hmm. I uh, yeah, probably it probably is. I think the only one you can maybe argue against it is uh Martian. Yeah, I, I if you gave me time, I could think of a couple because he's been he's been he's been in some great movies. You and I have had some long, long gambling nights together. <laughs> have you that's ever cool. watched have you ever watched Rounders? No. You should watch that, dude. It's all about Hold'em, him and Edward Norton. Yeah. And when we played with my brother, he quoted the movie right when he sat at the table. And he's like, if you can't spot the fool at the table, then it's probably you. Mm-hmm. I I need to see it. That's on the list for sure. Yeah, that's that's that movie's phenomenal. And then, like when I first brought it up to one of my cousins, who's like a huge movie nerd, too. He was like, how have you just now seen that? He's like, that was basically what Wolf of Wall Street was to your generation as it was to our generation. <laughs> I was like, that's a pretty good comparison. Probably is. All right. You want to sign us off today, Sir Elliot? Sign us off? Let's yeah. see. Ooh, by the way, yeah, okay. We'll, we'll sign. We'll, we'll try it. Signing off, buttered podcast. Extra? Are we extra buttered? What are we? We're extra no. buttered, aren't we? I mean, we can be if we want to be a little extra buttered. Maybe I would like to make sure. Maybe that'll be the name of our uh, Patreon. But <laughs> Butter Popcorn Podcast signing off. We'll see you next time. Peace. That was a terrible ending. It was. Asshole. <laughs>